Welcome everybody to episode number 11 of the Truth of the Matter Is. We'd like to thank all of our podcast listeners for tuning in today, where we believe being truthful, sincere, unapologetic about God's living word is where it's at. I'm your host, Daniel, and I'm here with my brother, Jonathan. What's going on, man? I feel good, man. You know, I feel renewed. I feel strong and courageous, and I'm just ready to talk about God's word today. Renewed and refreshed? Was there was there something that went wrong? No, you know, just that when you wake up in the morning, start of your day, you have a different mindset, a different perspective, and you're ready to tackle your challenges and what you hope to accomplish, you know? Well, you sound all fired up. Shall we get started for today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I want to ask you a question. Oh boy, the question. Now, now I'm nervous. So you was fired up, but now I'm nervous because we got questions coming my way this early. Well, you know, you don't know what to expect on the truth of the matter is, you know, sometimes it's going to be questions in the beginning, sometimes at the end, sometimes in the middle of the conversation, you know, around God's word. You just never know. You got to be ready for anything, you know, got to be prepared for whatever is going to come your way. So here's the question, right? And I I think we all think about this question all the time, or maybe some of us are born with manners to a certain degree. So, like, do you speak to strangers who try to spark conversation with you? Yeah, I don't mind having a conversation with a random person. Like, it doesn't really intimidate me or make me scared or anything. I'm like, okay, you want to talk? And what you're talking about doesn't seem crazy. Then, yeah, I'll have a conversation with you. Have you ever tried to have a conversation with someone randomly before? Yeah. Um, I work in customer service, so I do it all the time. It's pretty normal for me. Now, what if they ignore you? Then I just move on with my day. It doesn't really matter. Do you feel strange? Like, I can't believe this person doesn't have enough de- decency to, like, respond to me? No, I just figure maybe they got something going on. Maybe they didn't hear me. It could be a number of things. Okay. So I just leave it where it's at and continue pushing on. Yeah, I love that enthusiasm. You're like, you know what? There has to be a reason behind that I don't know. So before I draw conclusions, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. So let me tell you about this story that happened the other day. I was it actually happened to me last Sunday, and I meant to say it last week, but I guess it didn't occur to me at the moment. So I go inside oh, of Western Beef, and I went to go get sauerkraut and onions because my mom likes that on her her hot dogs or the sausage that she gets. And okay, well, for those of you who don't live in New York, I don't know if Western Beef is a national thing, but in New York, it's a grocery store. Continue on though. Yes, there's that. Juniors used to exist, but Juniors is no longer there. I think it's Western Beef that's the predominantly one that's available. So. I go inside the grocery store, and I'm in the section for the bread. And, I, you know, we usually get Martin's bread. Do you remember what the bread was before then that we used to get? Yeah, it was uh, Dutch potatoes bread. There you go, yeah. So we usually get Martin's hot dog bread. So I go to go pick up the hot dog bread, and the guy's like, I don't like that hot dog bread. So <laughs> I paused for a second and I'm like, who said that? 
is he talking to me? I know I'm reaching for the hot tub, right? He might be talking to somebody else. So when I look up, it's this guy. He's like, yeah, I don't like that hot dog bread. I don't like it on my hot dogs. It's too sweet, you know? And I said, okay. So, like, what's going through my mind is, okay, let me have this conversation with this guy. So I'm like, well, why you don't like it? He's like, well, it's sweet. You know, I like the Western beef bread. So I said, oh, so you like the cheap bread with the hot dogs. Wow. <laughs> he, <laughs> he starts laughing. He's like, well, you know, I prefer that. But I think what was the most funniest thing is usually some people would be like, well, if I didn't ask you, like, I didn't say you can voice your opinion about what it is that I'm getting. So in order to avoid further conversation about it, I was just like, well, I'm not getting it for myself. I'm getting it for my mom. So he started laughing. I was like, yeah. But I just found it funny that he was suggesting to me about which hot dog I, hot dog bread I should get and was automatically talking about what he didn't like as if I asked him. But, you know, it was just one of those situations where you're in the middle of doing your normal thing and someone out of normal out of nowhere you know voices their opinion about something and it's just like what do you do in an instance like that but i'm more on the line of you like i think that you should talk to people who talk to you i think it's absolutely rude if someone talks to me and i completely ignore them you know i don't think that's right you know um for me it's like it's like if somebody speaks you know i'll speak back i don't I don't know if it's just manners or what. It's, you never know what could happen. So I'm just like, oh, okay, well, let's talk. It's not a big deal. So I probably won't see you again in the next 30 minutes, or you could be my best friend for the next 10 years. So disengage the opportunity and see how it goes, you know? Yeah. It's not really a big deal. So that was interesting to me because, you know, some people, you know, they, they, they're not going to say anything, and some people will. But I think it's important that you should speak. You should say stuff like good morning when you see someone. You don't know what they're going through. The little things matter, you know? Hmm. All right. Yeah. You want to lead us into some prayer? Yeah, let's get started. We actually have a lot to get to today. So everyone, bow your head, close your eyes, you know, focus on something. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for another day, another opportunity to be better than we were yesterday. Lord, thank you for the unconditional love and kindness. We ask as we go into your word for guidance, instruction, and understanding. Lord, thank you for your patience and your love and that love that you care for each and every one of us. We ask that you open all five senses, and with those senses, we use them to focus in on you. We say these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have to say, that might have been. One of my favorite prayers that you've done so far. Yeah, like, I know why it was short. I understand. It, no, not just because it was short, but I really felt like it sets you up to receive, you know? Okay. And, I don't know, it's just, a, it's really in line with my own personal moral, so I like that one a lot. It's All good, right, it's, maybe it's we job. should recycle that one more often. <laughs> Since Possibly. It's, uh, we'll see. You know, there's nothing wrong with recycling prayer, you know? Do what works. You know, everything works differently for other people, you know. Some people love the extensive, long, dragged-out prayers, and some people's like, hey, you know, I ain't got time for this, you know. I'm going to get right to the point about what it is that I need to talk to you about. And 
<laughs> you know what's going on. You know anything that I ask before I ask you. So let's just get down to it. Right? So it depends, right? All right, so let's get started because, like I said, we do have a lot to get through today. And this episode is going to be more of remissive of the first episode. A lot of information. It's an introduction to the Gospels, obviously. And I just want to set the table. I don't think we knew that. What happened? The Gospels. The Gospels. What is that? Okay. All right. Look at you. Look at you. Eager. Eager to learn. I like that. Okay. So today, obviously, we're starting a new series called the Gospel Series. Now, I'm telling you right now, right, there's going to be so much you can learn. But in the end, our goal is to try and apply it, right? So many people read the Word of God and know it really well, but the hard thing is trying to apply it, right? In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22 to 30, 20. <laughs> in the book of James, chapter 1, verses 22 through 25, right, it says, Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror. Let's say her face in the mirror as well to be transparent. And then forgets what they look like immediately when they walk away. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continuance is not forgetting what they have heard, but in doing it will be a blessing in whatever they do. So simply, right? Amen. It's about because I do be forgetting people's faces. That's <laughs> so true. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so stupid. So simple, right? And yet very hard, right? Many try to put these things into action, but it's the complicated thing is not only processing the information, but also trying to apply it is the tough thing, right? That's the challenge. So now I'm going to try and keep what we talk about in close relation to how we can apply it, right? In our daily lives and also what is expected of us as believers. So now, right, here's some basic things you should know about the Gospels. There are four Gospels, and keep in mind, they are not the same. Again, there are four Gospels, and they are not the same, right? So let me tell you something embarrassing. Oh, boy, confession time? (laughs) Look at you. It's not confessing time, but it's transparency. I want people to understand. Yeah, go ahead right? and confess. We'll wait. I mean, I, go ahead and be transparent. We'll wait. Yeah, so I made the mistake of believing that they were all the same. Right? I did. I remember reading Matthew and then reading Mark, and I went to my dad. I'm like, Daddy, it's the same story. What's the difference? He's like, it's not the same thing. And I'm like, it is. And he's like, you're not really understanding this. And this is like my beginning story of when I was reading the Gospels. I thought they were the same, right? However, what I realized is that they're telling the same story. However, it's being told from a different perspective, and it's important to highlight the different perspectives and elements of the Gospels. So the Gospels were written to capture the life and story of Jesus Christ, right? So historically, we have had autobiographies and biographies written about people so that we can reflect and reminisce about how they have changed or impacted history. You know, obviously with just a stamp of positivity or negativity, it can impact how history is shaped depending on who you ask. So question. Yeah, what's up? Why do you say 
it depends on who you ask because, you know, that's a little unclear to me. Well, because here's an example, right? When I was in college, I did an independent study on Hitler. Yes, Hitler, the massive killer, the one who orchestrated many kills in history. And, you know, I decided to step out and do something interesting. So my college years, towards the end of my college years, actually, my senior year, I did a lot of independent studies. And independent studies give you the opportunity to study something independently, not in class. And at the end of the semester, you're either writing a paper and doing a presentation about what you've done. And usually they ask you to put in about 40 hours or so. And you're extensively doing research, right? And one of the things I decided to do was do an independent study on the history of Hitler. Because I wanted to find out, like, why is he hated? What was the roots of him being hated? And there has to be an underlying story of his, you know, his life. And I felt like history tells us that some individuals appear to be mean and bad individuals their whole entire life. But me being optimistic and being open, I realized that not everybody is the way that they are on purpose. Some of it is due to trauma. Some of it is due to circumstance. Some of it is due to how they were treated. And therefore, they they retaliate with negative behavior or negative choices and things that ultimately make them look like the bad guy. So you know how it is. We can take an example of how the Black Panther movie played out, right? Most of us viewed one person as a villain and the other person as the savior. However, spoiler you... alert, by the way, if you haven't seen Black Panther. But go ahead. Yeah. So sometimes when you look at a story, it's important that you capture the story from both ends. Don't just capture it from the side of what appears to be the side of what is good. And one of the things I discovered was Hitler was an average human being like the rest of us in terms of, you know, a good kid, solid individual. And one of his dreams and aspirations was to be an artist. He loved drawing, right? He loved drawing some of the scenery around him. And what happened to him was he applied to go into an art institution and he was rejected. And immediately after he was rejected, he started doing doing in other areas of his life and that was politics. And ultimately, you know, in my studies, he also stole art from other cultures. He he actually loved art from other cultures. And he embezzled the art through subway train at the time. So what is the point that I'm making? The point that I'm making is the trajectory of your life and the direction that you go in can be impacted by the yes and no's of the path that you select to choose, right? So hypothetically, if you decide to go down a path of drugs and weed and excessive you know, things like that, it can probably lead you down a path of being in jail, right? And your life is ruined. If you run in the streets 
all the time. It can lead you down a path of not doing things productive. Versus if you're reading books all the time and you're studying and you're in your studies, that can lead you down a path of using those studies to ultimately get you a job, to ultimately do something with your life where people can put their trust in you to get stuff done. So I realized that that turn away from his passion into politics led him down a path of doing something completely different than what he loved. And even though he was doing what he loved, it came at the expense of stealing and manipulation and propaganda. And ultimately, there's things there that people don't always take in consideration when they're doing a complete evaluation of somebody. To take it a step further, history, you know, history tells us as well that, and obviously I was a major in history, so I can speak expensively on this, and I'm just trying to give you both sides of the aisle so you sort of understand how deep some of this stuff goes. History tells us after World War I, everybody put the blame on Germany and was asking them to pay for all the damages that was done, right? And he came in as the savior to try to give his people hope. And uh, upon that, he started promoting this idea about them being the ultimate superior race. So it's ideas like that. And I introduced it in the first few episodes. It's one of the terms is called idealistical determinist, which means that when you think something and you act upon it, no one else can tell you what it is that's going on in your mind about how you see things. See, ideas are good, but some ideas are not healthy. Some of them are selfish, arrogant, and it comes at the expense of others. So just looking at that as a whole, the reason why I'm explaining this all is to answer your question that sometimes the way you see things historically, it it's all based upon his story, right? When you break down history, it's broken into two words, his story. And there are habits of overlooking the impact of how a story is told. And if you just pay attention to the dominant view of what most historians tell you, they're not sometimes covering the whole truth. And sometimes that stuff matters, especially when you're trying to grasp and understand the importance of why certain things were done and why there was limited hope and limited relevance. And some of those things can impact history from the perspective of realizing that there was no other choice to the, the actions that were taken to benefit the relevance of one's culture or one's belief and to celebrate, na you know, celebrate nationalism. So hopefully that answers your question. Yes. Yeah. So always remember when you look at something, get both sides, right? Understand it fully. I think another thing that annoyed me, just to toss in some social media influencement, is I saw someone post something about Christianity and posted what was being done in the 1800s with the Catholic Church and all the murders that took place. Again, all that stuff is context. Yes, that stuff happened. But does that speak to the majority of those that were believers? No. 
it speaks to the fact that there are some individuals, even in slavery, when they enslaved Africans, they rewrote the Bible. They flipped the objectivity or how something's supposed to be looked at. And they manipulated and came up with different ideologies. And when you're searching truth and you can't recognize how some information is put out to deter you and to lead you down a path that's incorrect and you can't discern the two, that's when you get that you go down a, a lane of being ignorant. Right? So that's why you have to do your due diligence and making sure that you're always trying to walk down a path that's clear. And that's the reason why I believe in God's word and I trust in God's word is because I believe that's the final say and his word doesn't change. There might be things I don't understand, but I can always put my trust and belief that his truth is the truth that I need to follow and believe. There are various truths out there. And you know the saying, you know, whatever is your truth is your truth. No, whatever your truth is, is based upon your limited understanding. And to me, you can't go into situations with limited understanding because when somebody takes the wool over your eyes and removes it and you see what the truth is, sometimes it's too late. So humble yourself and always try to find the truth. And that's why the truth of the matter is, is here, is to try to provide you with biblical truth. And that's what is founded on for us. So, something I want to mention here is the uniqueness, if you pay close attention to, is God was able to write a biography and an autobiography about himself. So some of you might ask, why do I say that, right? So an a biography is the life and history of an individual written by someone else. So who are those others, you might ask? I'm glad you asked. Luke, Matthew, Mark, and John. You see, an autobiography is the story of a person's life written by that person. In the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, it says, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Yeah, so we can all agree that they all are one, operating with different purposes at different times. I've also made it clear that they all gave up something for the betterment of the world, right? God gave up the Son, the Son gave up the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave up the government of God which is the kingdom mindset, the mentality, the way that we think and move, right? So Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, he says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy, and the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul also says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So here's just something I wanted to expand upon, right? When you become a born-again believer, the first thing that happens is you change the way that you think. Remember, we are born into sinful thoughts, actions, and motives. The desiring to please ourselves come first, and to acknowledge God's rule and authority over our lives comes a distant second. 
So when you start reading your Bibles, you replace your selfish mentality with a kingdom mentality. And then God comes first. Once God is first, then you realize he, he then you realize what he wants from you, right? And then you go on planning accordingly. So remember the scripture so, says in Matthew 6, 33, seek you wanna, you first. Wanna know a fun fact before you go on? Sure, what's up? Romans was the first book in the Bible to ever finish. Really? Yep. And that scripture you just put in there? Romans 12 to 2, mm-hmm. chapter 2. Uh, Romans 12, chapter, uh, verse 2. It's my favorite scripture. Do you want to explain why? Because it allows you to break habits and patterns and understand that different things that happen, I feel like, in the world, it's not something that you're supposed to abide by or you're supposed to obey. Mm-hmm. That's why I always like the the term, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I was like, huh. So that's how you can get out of ruts and change who you are as a person. So that's always been my favorite scripture. Okay. So okay. when you're Go renewing your ahead. mind, are you renewing it with God's word? Do you take it at that or do you take it more logically? Both. I apply it to everything. Okay, I agree with you. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Not bad. Yeah, I was going to start with Romans, but I feel like the Gospels are important. But Romans is a book really to help us under, come to understand who God is from the perspective of what's not just seen around us. But Romans is really for the book. The book is really designed to help unbelievers come to understand who God is and what he has done. And my dad always mentioned this is one of the books that you kind of give to an unbeliever and let them wrestle with it. Let them read it. Right. Because the first few chapters is about the establishment (laughs) of what God has done. I'm sorry. That sounds like something he would say, though. Yeah. <laughs> let, him re- let him wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what it is? You don't have... Remember, like, it's funny, but you know when you've been in darkness for a long time, and then somebody shines a light, and you go, my eyes. <laughs> yeah. You can't see, because you're not used to the light. And, you know, the the scripture, it says that God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword, because it pierces through your heart, through what matters. And a lot of us, when you're confronted with the truth, it burns. You know, it it burns deep because it's not that you're not expecting it, but it's like you don't know how to adjust, right? It takes you through a journey of reflection. So... Well, I like that you said adjust because I feel like Romans forces you... <laughs> To adjust your way of thinking, you know? Yeah, that's what you have to do. Look, in, in life, the only thing that's constant is change. So it's mm. either you get with the change or whatever is happening, you become part of that change, right? It's always important to have a plan when you go about something because when there's no plan in action, then whatever the circumstances suggest, you find yourself 
having to go with it. Go with the flow. And that flow might not be good for you, especially if there's no plan put in place. You know, having a plan is extremely important. So, you know, we can't go into things blinded because you look really silly, right? You look stupid, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's, you know, <laughs> going to things without a plan in your preparation shows how you're not taking what it is that's important seriously. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. So I was saying when you start to read your Bibles, you place your selfish mentality with the kingdom mentality. And in the kingdom mentality, God's first. And so are everyone else as well. Right? And then when God comes first, you start to realize what his good and perfect will is because you allow him to, you allow him to not only have the lordship over your life, but steer you in the direction that is going to have you be successful. So remember in the scripture in Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Mm -hmm. It also says in the book of Psalms 37.4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right? So if God is our creator, right? It's only right that you go to him and find out what it is that he wants you to do because he knows what it is and he's created you for a purpose, right? To dig even deeper in the book of Jeremiah, it talks about how God saw you in your mother's womb before you were born. Before you even came into the world, he knew you. He knew what your name was. He knew what he called you for a specific purpose. So we can't overlook that, but instead we need to keep that in mind and be reminded. You know, interesting enough, you know, I always have extensive conversations about God's word with several people. And some people, you realize that what they have to say is rooted in scripture and in study. And some people are speaking out of this concept of hopeful thinking. Right? I'm just hopeful. Uh-oh. Right? I'm just hopeful. Mm. And you're like, well, what are you hoping for? I don't know. <laughs> it's a good reason to have an idea of what you're hoping for. Right? So here's something, right? So let's pivot and kind of revisit something, right? So the reason why I say that God wrote his own auto autobiography is simple, right? I said in the book of 1 John, we know that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit are one, as I mentioned in 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. So the works of God in the human experience is expressed through something that is called the Holy Spirit. So it, it says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that they serve God, so that when they serve God, it could be through the understanding of being equipped for every good work, which means that God was operating through individuals, actually working with them, right? The Bible is sort of this, 
this construct where God is working with the human being to help shape not just a moral compass, but also an understanding of how we should do things with instruction that leads us down a path of success. Right? Therefore, that's why I believe that it's unique if you pay close attention because that means that God is not just having it be done by the individuals through their personal experience, but he's using them in their perf- in their personal experience. And he's writing the story through a biography and an autobiography. What do you think about that, Daniel? I feel like it's an interesting concept for sure. Hmm. Because, you know, it's interesting because so many of us come across the autobiography of Malcolm X or Martin Luther King. And then there are individuals who want to write biographies about their own life, and that's why you have documentaries. But God has shaped it in such a way that he's doing both simultaneously at the same time. He's doing it in the lives and lives of those who were changed. And he's done it while he was here. When he came in the form of a man, Jesus Christ. And his legacy and his impact lives on. Through the individual and their ability to be successful. And then he receives the glory because we acknowledge him as God the Father who is and was and still to come. So. Now that I've explained that, Daniel, would you mind reading Second Peter chapter one for verses sixteen through twenty-one? And this is more, you know, this is emphasizing the importance on why Scripture is validated. And even though some people question it, they question it because they don't understand. And when you don't understand, you get to a place where your misunderstanding kind of leads you down a path where not only do you not want to trust it but you haven't come to fully grasp the importance of what scripture is and how it can be essential in guiding you to do what is right so then yeah read second peter verse you know chapter one verses 16 to 21 well we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He received honor and glory from God, the Father, when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, who I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns in the morning star, and rises in your heart above all. You must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origins in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Any thoughts? 
my first thought when reading that scripture, like in preparation for this, was that must have been dope. You just kind of on like the sidelines, and you just hear God's word, and it's all majestic and whatnot, and you're like, oh snap! <laughs> like that's that's what flicked through my head. It's like, yo, he's actually talking to him. So that's what <laughs> that's what the story meant to me when I first read it. Yeah, so it's, it goes back to the, the whole, you know, message we did in regards to testimony. It's like, are you going to believe the testimony or not? You know, are you going to embrace what the testimony is or you're not? If you're going to question it, then I guess you don't believe. You know, it, it's, you know, I had a conversation with someone the other day and they were questioning the legitimacy of whether or not there were things taken out of the Bible. And my response to that is just because they're not a part of the 66 books of the Bible doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't have any significance. Like the book of Enoch, for example, there are significance. There's just stories and I'm background. You know about that. Oh, the book of Enoch. Of course, Daniel, come on yeah. now. I know what the book of Enoch is. Yeah. So no, but this is the thing. See, most people, it's like when they hear certain things got taken out of the Bible or other stuff like that, they get they get paranoid and they're like, "Well, how can we trust in legitimacy of the book now?" Just like, well, it's kind of what I went back to talking about yesterday, or like the last time we recorded, and it's about what you apply or what you understand take like understand it you know don't just understand it understand it like take the messages and find ways to apply it you know don't just always look at well the context of this came from this so therefore it can't be anything good of it because it came from a bad source or it can't be legitimate or it's like well can the wisdom be applied to benefit you in a positive way can use it to make a change in other people's lives. Can use it to help you better understand problems and situations that you're going through. Does it give you some form of guidance and some type of structure? Like, what does it actually do for you? And if you can find a way to take the wisdom that is within the book and apply it, then that's all that really should matter, you know? Mm-hmm. I that- think that's the most important thing about wisdom in itself is you need to find ways to apply things to make your life better. Yes, God comes first in the hierarchy, as you were saying before, but what's beyond that? Who's next in the line of hierarchy? Well, it should be yourself, if you ask me. And then whatever it is that you're working towards in life and trying to do, that comes third. But it all starts from God, so in yeah. his word. So my biggest thing is that at the end of the day, the focus shouldn't be about what's not in there. The focus should be about what is in there. And if you're at a point in your life where you're questioning the the the, the legit the, if you're at this point in your life when you are questioning the legitimacy of the Bible, then you're at a point where you just haven't believed yet, and maybe that's where you are. You don't believe it. You're not interested in it. You don't want to read it that much anymore. That's fine, right? You're entitled to do that. But for me, when I came to reading the Bible, it opened up my understanding to a degree where I was excited. I was looking for patterns, principles, and precepts in the Bible, trying to see how, when you put them together, 
how it can be successful for me. And when I found out those things, man, I jumped right on it. And because I jumped on it, it, it has helped me tremendously. It's allowed me to look out and see what's happening before my very eyes and see how the scriptures I read came to life for me. And to me, it's like, if you're not doing that, if you're not searching, right? And I always mention this in the scriptures. It says, if you ask, you shall receive. If you seek, you will find. If you knock, the door will be open to you. That's all the work that, I, that says in that scripture you have to do. Right. You have to diligently see God. And if you're not doing that, then you, you haven't come to a place where you have allowed him to be the most important thing in your life. And instead, you're being selective on when you want to incorporate God in your life. It's sort of like ice cream. You're sprinkling some sprinkles on your ice cream. Like, ah, I want a little over here and a little bit over there. It's, it's, that's not how it is. You sort of as God goes, you go. You have to let him guide you and direct you and walk along the path he has set before you. That's how I see it, right? And in regards to when you get a passion for it, you have to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's what you have to get to a point. It's, and if you're not, then that means that your focus is not there, and that's okay, right? We all come to God at different stages in our life. And we all have appreciation for God at different stages in our life. But the last thing I want is I want this sort of thing to be pressed on you. You have to have a significance and appreciation for God. And if you haven't, then I guess in time, something will be revealed to you. And the last thing I, I would want is you're going through some troubles and issues and all of a sudden God's really you there, right? <laughs> all of a sudden God has a significant importance to you at that moment then. Get to know God before that happens. Build a relationship with God before that happens. Then things will be so much easier. Don't let tragedy come knocking and then you want to embrace God then. Know him before the tragedy. Worship him before the tragedy. Get to know him before the tragedy. And do it one day out of a time. Again, Rome wasn't built in a day and so is your relationship with God. Relationship, not a religion. Relationship. Okay, last thing we're going to, second to last thing we're going to discuss today. So here are the simple ways to understand the Gospels. Luke is the author of the I Testimony Gospel. So here's something you should know. In the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 14, it says, We learned that Luke is a doctor, a physician. The reason why I call it the I Testimony Gospel is because in the beginning of the chapter, you learn and remember one of the keys to hermeneutics is paying attention to the purpose. Why was it written? So, Daniel, would you read Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4? Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent 
Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Yeah, so first thing you might be wondering, who is Theopius? Theopius was a friend to who Luke was writing to basically share with him the good news, which is the gospel. Now, when you read it, you notice that Jesus portrayed, portrayed as a man. The text was written for the Gentiles, the Greeks, which is everyone outside the Jewish community. The focus here are the parables, which we will get into, right? Next, you have the Gospel of Mark which was written to illustrate Jesus as a servant unto God. The beginning of that starts out differently than Luke, right? John Mark, right, is first mentioned as the son of a woman named Mary in the book of Acts chapter 12, verse 12. But we'll get to that another time. Whose house was being used as a place for believers to gather and pray. Later, Mark is mentioned as the companion of Barnabas and Paul during their travels together. This book was written to the Roman citizens. Now, obviously, we know that they believed in various gods. And when Paul came to Athens, which was ruled by the empires continuing until the 13th century, its citizens identifying themselves as citizens of the Roman Empire. He says this in the book of Acts, chapter 17, verses 22-31. Daniel, would you mind? People of Athens... I see that in every way you are very religious. For, I, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands, as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man, he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Excuse me. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. So obviously he's talking about Jesus. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, so the Gospel of Mark focuses on the miracles that Jesus did. Next is the Gospel of Matthew, portrays Jesus as king. It was written for the Jews. That is why the phrase Jesus, king of the Jews, resonates to so many. Matthew was a tax collector before he became a disciple of Jesus. Then you could read Matthew 9, verse 9 through 13. 
As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, what does your teacher, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Yes, yeah, so I touched on a little about this last week, and, and that was we shouldn't take for granted that Jesus came to show us the way, break the chains of bondage, and deliver us from sin, and save the lost sheep of Israel. The key features in this gospel are the sermons. One, one he actually does in the top of the hill, but I'll leave that to whether you decide to read it or we will cover it in the gospel series. And finally, it's the gospel of John, where Jesus is portrayed as God in the flesh, written by John, who is the same author in the series we just covered, First John. All men and women should read this book, and it's suggested that this is the first book to read, for it focuses on the teaching. Now, Daniel, can you read here in the Gospel of John, chapter, the Gospel of John, chapter one, verses nine through eighteen? The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or, or husband's will, but born of God. The world, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, who has made him known. Yeah, so that verse is loaded. Mm -hmm. And we will get into that. We will. But it's the introduce that John wrote with confidence. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, was present there. For as he says, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is close its relationship with the Father has made him known. So again, God uses this relationship with Father and Son 
and it spills over to our understanding that in order for us to be like Christ, we have to embrace this belief that through our relationship with God, we could be like Christ. And therefore, praying and asking for things and under the stewardship of a branch where we have a father and a mother, for it says that honor your parents and the Lord for this is right, is what we are encouraged to do. So, that's it for today. And I want to introduce something new here, and I hope it can be helpful to some of you in your personal journey with God. And I decided to incorporate this in the gospel series. So something I want to mention is a three-minute devotion time. And this is to jumpstart a conversation with God. Now, the reason why I say three minutes is because the first minute is a scripture that you meditate on. The second minute is a short devotional reading. And the third minute is a prayer to jumpstart a conversation with God. So I want to give you an example so that you have something to go off of. And as we go throughout the series, I will provide something and we will see how it works. And then I encourage us all who are listening to go through the Bible and you can look up anything online and find out what the Bible discusses in regards to certain topics. So. I don't know. First idea that comes to mind is seeing God in his creation, right? So a verse that comes to mind is Job chapter 12, verses 7 to 8. But ask the animals and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky and they will tell you, or speak to the earth and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you. So taking the time to get away and enjoy the outdoors is a pleasurable endeavor. For just about anyone, but for a man of God, these activities offer something more, something of a truly spiritual nature. One of the greatest things about fishing, hiking, camping, or any other activities that takes place in the outdoors is just being in a place where you can enjoy those things. These are the settings where you see God's handiwork clear of man-made distractions. So, no, the creation is not God himself. That's for those who think they understand or think that God is creation. I just want to take a pause so people get that. No, the creation is not God himself, but you can learn some great truths about his nature and character by looking at the wonders of what he has created. So the next time you head out to enjoy nature, remember to think of your heavenly father. Is in those settings where you can just enjoy his company and maybe even hear his voice away from the world's noise. So with something like that and a reflection like that, you was praying, say, Father, I thank you for how you speak to me through your creation. Again, this is highlighted in Romans where it talks about the very creation that you look around is proof that God exists. Because there's nothing like that that you see around that kind of leads you to believe that all that you see had to be created by God. Obviously, that goes against the concept of the Big Bang, because going according to the Big Bang, things just came together and it didn't have thoughts 
or ideas or mind, it just boom, everything came to be. But in this, you know, when you pray, you say, fill my heart with an awe of your glory, creativity and power. I ask. So again, there's various topics that we will go through as we go through the Gospels, the Gospel series, but that's just an idea. So for those who are looking to start something, you can find devotion books anywhere. Just look up a devotion book and spend time, an opportunity to come to God with something and allow him to speak through your experience so that you can understand that he is the creator, that he is Alpha and Omega, that he is the beginning and the end. And through that, I think God will begin to unpack and reveal. Remember, God is not someone that has to prove himself. He can only be revealed. So now it's time to pray for us during the week and look for, look forward to next week's discussion. So close your eyes or focus on something. Bow your heads. Heavenly Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity for us to gather in your name. Lord, we ask that throughout the week you protect us, guide us, direct us, shield us from any hurt, harm, and danger. Lord, as we go out, we ask that we continue to be a light for those who are in need. We ask that we continue to not just focus on your word, but focus on our ability to live out the word. Obviously, that's a challenge. But we know that if we continue to work at it, we can accomplish that. Lord, I ask that as we go through this series, the gospel series, that you continue to show us things that we didn't see. Anytime we open up this book, there's always a different perspective that we can get. And I hope that we can accomplish that. Lord, I ask that you keep us mindful throughout the week. Let us be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry because angry does not produce the righteousness that you desire. Let us think about things that are true, noble, pure, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. Let us always walk in truth, and let us always be a light for those who are in need. So, Lord, we say these things humbly and honestly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.